Welcome back to the Colorado Springs Business Podcast. My name is Andrew Hasley, and I am the host of the show. Today, we are sponsored by the Colorado Springs Business Podcast. If you'd like me to read a 15 to 30 second ad script about your business at the beginning of every episode, please reach out to the Colorado Springs Business Podcast at cosbusinesspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we also have a Patreon account if, Patreon account if you'd like to to become a member uh, of the Patreon, we have certain bonus content that we'll be releasing exclusively on the Patreon account. Um, one of the bonus content is an episode at the end of every month where I do a solo episode and review everything that I've learned from all the guests of that month. And that's just a little little extra content and also an extra way for this show to make money. <laughs> and uh, so, so I also run a video production business called Behemoth Visuals. And I figured, you know, I have no ads at the beginning. I might as well be promoting my business. <laughs> so so I, I run a video production company and we, we create videos for, for businesses uh, that really help capture their essence and help them build a deeper connection and automate certain processes within their business using video and storytelling. So, so yeah, that's, that's Vehement Visuals and you can check them out, us out. They actually do this. This studio space is actually leased out to Vehement Visuals. So, so it technically is brought to you by Vehement Visuals. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to introduce the guest today. We have on Robin Roberts with Pikes Peak. I want. I want to throw the national in there. I don't yes, know why. It is. Okay, Pikes Peak National. Bank. Okay, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say it wrong. So, could you tell us in a sentence or two what you do for that business? Uh, I'm the president and CEO, nice. so I solve problems yes. all day long. <laughs> but I'm I'm really I mean I run the bank. I'm responsible for everything that happens in the bank, and um, I work with a great team of people to serve customers and help them reach financial prosperity. Sweet! I can't wait to get into that in the episode. And I'm gonna roll the intro music. This is a show where we have real conversations with entrepreneurs and business owners who are mostly in Colorado Springs doing things in the community of Colorado Springs. Robin, how's it going? <laughs> great, great, great. Yeah, yeah, that, that intro music, I love it. I it's, love it, nice job. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's actually updated from the one we just heard. The one that the, the listeners will be hearing is a little bit different. I changed it to, to, to mostly in Colorado Springs, business owners mostly in Colorado Springs, because I do want it to go get, to grow to a different level, uh, a bigger level to expand, uh, to to have guests on outside of Colorado Springs as well. But it's going to be mostly about uh, business owners in Colorado Springs. But I feel like the the lessons we learn in the show can be applied to business across the globe. So so yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't know how many times I'm going to say that. I think I've done that on like three episodes so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so let's talk about uh, your your how you got to to the CEO position a little bit. I, I want to learn a little bit about that. Also, want to learn about what your bank, uh, what your business does, and and all the the typical things that you you'd get about like what makes you different and all the challenges and struggles. And we'll get into all of that. But let's let's start out with I guess your journey to to getting to where you are right now. Uh sure. Well. Um, first of all, I mean, I left college to join the military. Okay. So I was active duty army for two enlistments, six and a half years. And, um, my ex-husband was also in the military. We met, we had two boys. And so for him and me both to be active duty, it was difficult. And so I got out at the end of, uh, 
at the end of my enlistment. I'm going to fix your mic real quick. Okay. It'll, it'll cut you off if you go too far. Okay. So I'll I keep right hearing here. it drop a little bit. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> we can, we can push it farther if you want. I'll let no, you adjust No, that's it. fine. I'll All just, right. um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, I got out of the military when my second enlistment was up and he was, um, ranger special forces. We ended up here in Colorado Springs, uh, because he was with a station at 10th group and we were in Fort at Fort Bragg, North Carolina before this, okay. and I got into banking there. Okay, we went from Fort Lewis to Fort Bragg, and um, there was a bank there that was a regional bank that was starting in-store branches. The ones that are in grocery stores, they didn't have those in North Carolina at that time, mm. and those are primarily sales-oriented, very transactional retail-focused branches for any bank. They mm-hmm. are. Convenience. They're focused on convenience with retail hours. Yes. And so I spent a lot of, I didn't know anything about banking, but they hired me because of my military experience and they just taught me how to be a banker. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And they made me the branch manager. And I didn't know anything about banking um, just because of my military experience as well. Okay. So I did that for three years and then we moved here and we wanted to buy a house. And I got on with Pikes Peak just because um, of a networking you know, the best jobs, you you don't learn about them. You learn about them from friends and referrals, mm-hmm. and that's how I got the job at Pikes Peak. And um, started there in 1999, so it's been, I've been there for 21 years. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I took a pay cut and a demotion to come on to the bank, um, but we were, we were trying to buy a house, and mm-hmm. I needed a pay stub to show the mortgage company. And things just kind of fell into place. The owner of the bank at the time was a World War II vet, and there's not a lot of veterans in commercial banking, veterans in investment advisor and financial advising, but it's not a normal transition to go from active duty military to banking. And so we, he was a World War II vet and we spoke the same language. Mm-hmm. People who are, who were in the military, we speak the same language. For sure. So he really just loved that I had worked, uh, that I'd been in the military. And so as doors opened in any organization that you're in, opportunities present themselves, maybe not as quickly as you want, mm-hmm. but if you're patient and do your best all the time, those doors are going to open. And because of my military experience, he kept opening. I mean, he let me go through those doors. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you know, I went from branch manager to um, the vice president over the lending area, then senior vice president. And then in 2003, he asked me to be the president of the bank and... Um, I was the president until 2018 when uh, the bank sold to our current owner. Okay. And he made me the CEO. And uh, What's the difference between president and CEO? In banking, if you're a president or a CEO, you're an executive officer and you're required by law to be on the board of directors. Mm-hmm. And there's just a higher fiduciary level mm-hmm. of, um, of uh, expectation from because it's an FDIC-insured institution – so regulatory-wise, there's a higher expectation. So some banks have a president and CEO, which is what I am now. Some banks have that separated. Mm-hmm. The president is one executive officer and the CEO is another. Um, just And companies do the same thing. Uh, so I was the president for all the, those years, and the owner of the bank's son was the CEO until they sold the bank, and then they just the new owner just made me president and CEO. So what is what is how does a business model for a bank even work? I have that, that seems like so like foreign to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, banks sell money, right? Yeah, that's the interesting <laughs> thing about it. <laughs> they sell money. 
Um, and banks operate off that spread. That's where their profit lies mm-hmm. is the spread. So they're and like investors in a, in a sense. Kind of. I mean, we make loans to individuals and we make loans to businesses, but we don't own any percentage of the business that we make the loan to. Okay. Um, but we do, uh, particularly in business lending, we do a lot of um, due diligence on that business before we're making a loan to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we take in deposits from um, the community and those in return for putting their deposits with the bank, they are insured through the FDIC and then we loan those deposits out and the spread that the interest rate that we mm-hmm. make um, that spread over the, our cost of those deposits is where the profit is made in, in just in a general sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can get more complicated and there's a lot of different products and services yes. that banks offer, but that's the basic. Mm-hmm. Do you guys specialize in businesses or uh, do uh, personal loans or? We do personal loans, but our specialty is small business lending. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a small business ourselves. I mean, yes. our bank is 110 million in assets. That's considered a small bank. We have four branches. Um, we're only in El Paso County right now. And, um, and so our focus is lending to small businesses in our community. Mm-hmm. And all of our deposits come from our community as well. So our depositors are putting their money in our bank and mm-hmm. then we are loaning it out to uh, families and businesses in our community. So that's in banking, we call that a community bank. Yes. And there, I mean, there are lots of different sizes of banks. I mean, there's the big five. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows who they are. They're national size banks, but also they're in other countries as well. So they're more global banks mm-hmm. too. Um, and then there's regional banks that cover several different states. And um, and then there's small community banks, of which we have several mm-hmm. in our community. Those banks give a lot to our community. They sponsor a lot of events. Their employees are out volunteering. Um, and then the community uh, returns that by putting their deposits with community banks and getting loans through us. Sweet. And so that, that the, the deposit amount kind of acts as a buffer kind of or the deposits that you guys have you guys are able to use that money to to lend and so how does a business go bad with the bank <laughs> what do you mean uh i'm just interested like what if you depo- what if you you obviously probably won't loan out all the money because then no one can withdraw it <laughs> yeah how does that work <laughs> you mean how does the bank go bad or oh uh, yeah the bank yeah like does that happen Oh, yeah. Um, During the recession, which was only 12 years ago. Oh, yes. um, We saw a lot of banks close and other banks, a lot of banks um, under regulatory scrutiny for sure, Mm -hmm. um, because the economy was so bad. So you're going to banks are going to feel it Mm. when the economy goes um, south because they've made loans to so many businesses and families. And those businesses and families are negatively affected by the economic circumstances. So you're going to see that go through banking, through the banking industry, hundred percent. Um, banks that go bad, usually there's some, um, you know, banks that close, there's a management issue. Possibly they went too much into a certain kind of industry that they loan to banks are businesses. Mm-hmm. And so they all, we all make loans and we all take deposits, but we make loans in areas that we have expertise or where the bank specifically has um, a lot of knowledge about that. So, you know, some banks do a lot of real estate lending, residential mortgage lending, or commercial real estate lending. Some banks only do 
uh, small business administration guarantee loans. That's their specialty. So mm-hmm. banks have their niches, even if they're larger banks, they still have areas that they really just feel comfortable lending because they have expertise there. So, but if they go all in on one specific thing, there's a lot of risk involved oh, yeah. in that too. So <laughs> that's for, for anyone, for yeah, anyone doing any, exactly kind of thing. <laughs> any industry, any business. And, um, so if you're not diversifying, it can mm-hmm. be a problem. But in the recession, we saw uh, banks that did a lot of uh, residential mortgage lending mm-hmm. have problems because that that sector of the economy was really mm-hmm. in a bad way. And it, and it was also, there were some bad things that they were doing. So Yeah, there was some fraud. <laughs> yeah. Anytime there's fraud involved, there's you're probably going to have some issues in your bank. Mm-hmm. Um, fraud risk is a huge risk in banking. It's a huge risk in any business, mm-hmm. but definitely is in banking. So yeah, you can see banks end up closing if they let, they run out of funding. You mm-hmm. know, they loan out a hundred percent of their deposits. That can yeah. be tough <laughs> for them. Um, but most banks have. I mean, all banks are regulated. We're visited by our regulators on yes. a regular basis. So, you know, banks have good management. They have good strong capital levels right now. We're in a pandemic. Yes. So we are going to see and feel some of that in the banking industry probably next year, not right now, Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of government aid and assistance in the system right now. So it's helping businesses, but ultimately that will go away and banks will have some issues probably in their loan portfolios. But um, that's what happens with banks is just like any business, Mm -hmm. bad management decisions, maybe some fraud involved, um, not a diversification in their customer base, that kind of stuff. For sure. Yeah. So if someone was to want to, to get a, start a business and get a business loan, what are some of the key things that you want them to have? Yeah, it's um, lots of people, they have, startups can have a hard time getting bank financing. Mm-hmm. Um, some banks have policies of you've got to be in business for two years before we'll even look at you. And really what the banks are looking at is some kind of history and cash flow, mm-hmm. a proof of cash flow, which is tax returns, generally speaking. Um, but there are a lot of options for startups. Um, one option is to do something through that's guaranteed through the Small Business Administration, so a SBA loan. Um, another thing is to, um, to work with maybe a nonprofit lender uh, like Colorado Enterprise Fund or DreamSpring. I always recommend mm-hmm. any new business owner to start at the Small Business Development Center. Okay. And I don't know if you're familiar with them, um, but the Small Business Development Center, that's a network actually that's across the country. Mm-hmm. But in Colorado, we have 14 okay. um, Small Business Development Centers, SBDCs. Mm-hmm. And here, um, the one we have in Colorado Springs is the Pikes Peak Small Business Development Center. They're located in the Catalyst Campus. And the SBDC has classes, low cost, sometimes free classes on how to write a business plan, how to um, use QuickBooks, how to market your business. Mm-hmm. And then there's free one-on-one consulting with experts in, you know, I'm a consultant. I've been a consultant, a volunteer consultant there for 10 years. Okay. But there are lawyers, accountants, SEO specialists, um, uh, HR people. I mean, there we have like 40 consultants at the SPDC. And if you go through all that stuff, are you more likely to get a loan? I think you're more prepared. Okay. 
Um, especially because you're going to need a business plan mm-hmm. to get a loan uh, um, for a new business. Yes. And that's daunting for a lot of people. Yes. But actually that process, going through the process of your business plan is more important than the actual document, I think. For sure. At the end yeah. of it. Sure, you have to show the document to the lender, but you going through the process. Builds the confidence too. It makes mm-hmm. you feel it also gets you excited, I think. Yes, exactly. And it validates mm-hmm. what you think. Like You're like, oh, I know this is going to be mm-hmm. a good business. And then you go through the business planning process and you're validating it with market research and looking at the competition and looking how you're, you know, what your um, special value is going to be. And you're validating your business idea. You're doing some financial projections showing that you're going to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go through that process and it's not, working out, then you're, then you've saved yourself a lot of money and heartache and time mm-hmm. and investment. But if you go through that process and you're validating what you think, then you take that to the lender. Um, so business planning is mm-hmm. having a business plan is really important. People don't know where to start a lot of times. And I say you start at the small business development center for okay. sure. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of times when you're wanting to start a business, you think it's, you don't have a realistic idea of what it can do. And some of the ways you can figure out realistic ideas is figuring out what are some of these other companies, what does their market share look like, or some. I get, get it helps you get some real real numbers too. Like you can take the the population of Colorado Springs if you're only doing it in Colorado Springs, minus you know put some variables in there and. <laughs> it, yeah, you're absolutely right. And a lot of new business owners don't understand also a huge free resource we have here, which is the Pikes Peak Library District. Mm. They have databases that you can access for free. I don't even know that you have to have a library card in order to do it. And library cards are free. Yeah. But they'll show you how to use these databases. And if you're looking at two different locations, possibilities, places to lease, you can do a database search of the demographics around those locations. Mm -hmm. What is the traffic count in front of them? What is the... Um, discretionary income level or within a three mile radius. You can find out stuff about your competitors. It's all at the library. It's so cool. So if people are listening to this and they didn't realize that the library district had that, that capability for business owners, you just learned something new. What is it at the library? Uh, How do you find it? Um, You can call, um, I always refer people to Terry Zarsky, okay. who is the business librarian for the Pikes Peak Library District. She's at the Penrose Library, but you can go into any um, library with the library district. I don't know what their schedule is right now mm-hmm. with um, COVID, but for sure, um, you can call them, go online. And some of these databases you can access just through their website as long as you have your library card to, nice. to input there. So. Um, if you're working on a business or you're maybe expanding a business mm-hmm. and maybe you're going to open a second location, you don't know where to put it, use those databases to verify or to validate what you think. Like, I think this is where we should go. Yes. Well, look at, look at those databases to, to look at the numbers mm-hmm. to make sure that what you think is valid. I should, I could, and probably should look up some numbers for this podcast. I think, <laughs> I mean, you should. Yeah, absolutely. I'd call Terry and ask her. To sit with you, make an appointment, and she can show you, tell her what you're looking for, mm-hmm. and she'll help you. And see, I guess figuring out what to look for is part of the battle, too. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking right now, now I have, I'd have to sit down and actually think what I would, I, would, I would want to search. I know definitely, you know, probably population, but I mean, I would have to learn some statistics about podcasts, too, and then apply those mm-hmm. to the, the research, which, you know, 
there's probably I don't know my statistics on my podcast so far. I do know them. I mean, but I don't. I know they're not. Uh, they're not valid really because it's not big enough. Uh, because I get most of my views on on Facebook and stuff. But uh, the Anchor app it has a bunch of analytics for the for the actual downloads of each episodes on the the actual just audio versions of this podcast, and ninety six percent Mel <laughs> on on those. And who are 23 to 27, which is what, what I am, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're talking to people just like you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially. But I think that's just because of my reach right now. It hasn't yeah. really... Uh, I'm sure once I get on the news or once I get a billboard, that will uh, balance out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to double check this real quick. Okay. It's been bugging me. I know it's still rolling, but... <laughs> I, had to check. I thought I hit the button over here. All right, we're still good. <laughs> okay, but anyways, going back to to Terry, she teaches a class called Minding Your Business, which teaches people how to use the databases and all of the different databases that the library district has. Nice. So, and that's a podcast? No, it's a class oh, that cl- she class. teaches. Again, during COVID, I don't know how that's being done. For sure. But in regular times, and we'll go back to that at mm-hmm. some point, yeah. she'll be, she teaches th- that class and she probably has some other business librarians that do as well. It's really nice. helpful for people who are writing business plans or wanting to do something different in their business mm-hmm. and they want some data to back up their decisions. Nice. So with, with COVID, how has that looked like for you as a bank? Have you been helping a lot of people, doing a lot of PPP loans and stuff yes. like that? <laughs> oh my goodness. The PPP loan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's an unprecedented kind of loan product there from the Small Business Administration. Uh, we did do a lot of PPP loans, mm-hmm. just like a lot of banks it was a super stressful time for bankers. For sure. But also it was a really stressful time for our customers, for business mm-hmm. owners. So all of us were just kind of learning it as we went. Yes. Um, but ultimately, we and other banks helped a lot of businesses with that product. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're the first part of it is done, and now we're moving into the second part, which is the forgiveness part of it. Yeah. And that those rules are still, mm. you know, I think we're... They're kind of nebulous, but we're getting there, and um, and maybe there will be another PPP rollout. Mm-hmm. Congress has talked, has hinted at that possibility. What do you think about the stimulus? Are are the stimulus for everyone? Uh, have you heard, do you know anything about that? No, like the stimulus checks that you're mm-hmm. talking. Yeah, um, I don't know what Congress is planning on doing. It's I so don't know that the they air. know what they're <laughs> planning on doing. Yeah. I think it would help. Um, the business community and families, Mm -hmm. if they could have some kind of expectation of what they're going to receive or can receive as part of a stimulus package. There's no expectation at all right now. Exactly. It's like up in the air. And it's weird because we've been promised it multiple times. (laughs) So it's it's kind of hard to promise something and then not go up and not do it. (laughs) Well, one thing we have learned in business over the years is when conditions are uncertain, mm-hmm. then businesses really can't make few decisions to invest in their future. Mm-hmm. And so then investment in businesses kind of stops mm-hmm. until they get some idea of what the government's going to do. And I think we're sitting in that space. So you guys right are now. getting less interest back or right now. You guys are making less money. Is, is that the case? Mm, I don't know about that. We, what's different with the pandemic versus 12 years ago when we were in the recession is that there are still businesses who are doing very well right now. Yeah. The construction industry is Some of them are even doing better because of the switch of demand. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Landscaping companies doing great. 
um, sanitizing cleaning companies. Cleaning are companies <laughs> doing well. Um, and then, of course, we're seeing the residential real estate market is just unbelievable. Yeah, right and now. that was a surprise for me, yeah. at least. I thought mm-hmm. it was going to go the other way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of took a little dip while everything was closed, and yeah. then it just, I mean, there was mm-hmm. no stopping it. So there are a lot of businesses that are doing well or even better than they were doing last year. And so the funding demands from them are still in place. Mm-hmm. You have the other side of it where you've got retailers, restaurants, hospitality that are going that have been suffering, are going to continue to suffer a little bit. And some of them are probably having to, uh, what do they call that when you can't pay your loan? Defer. <laughs> Defer, yeah. Defer their, yeah, some of them, you know, banks have really stepped up and worked with mm-hmm. their customers and the, anybody with a small business administration guarantee loan, they've had deferrals because the SBA just immediately did that. Yes. Um, so lending institutions, banks, and then of course the government has put some, some uh, guidelines in place of no foreclosures, no evictions. Okay. That has protected people as For well. For sure. And wasn't that supposed to end in, in August? I think so, but I saw something from the CDC yesterday saying that um, that they were that they didn't want it. That that's saying good. you shouldn't do any evictions. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's there's a lot of that's complicated. Yeah. And you I was I was the opposite uh, when it came came to that. I I got a space downtown and like <laughs> and like those those were two spots that probably like weren't people weren't weren't really wanting to open business is downtown right now yeah (laughs) or and so it's like i guess i'm one of the outliers with that (laughs) i think there always is that Mm -hmm. though because i don't care what kind of economy you're in there's always opportunity yes there's always um entrepreneurial focused people who Mm -hmm. are solving problems yes and in any economy there are problems to be solved Mm -hmm. it just the problems look different. And when recessions and, and downturns happen, there's more problems to be solved. Exactly. <laughs> there's still people. When I started at the Small Business Development Center as a volunteer consultant, I came in 2010. They brought me in to help businesses who were who were suffering mm-hmm. talk with their banks because maybe their banks were pulling their line of credit or were foreclosing on their property or whatever. Mm. And um, they needed help dealing with their bank and understanding why their bank was doing what they were doing. And I understood why they were doing it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you kind of got to be able to see it from the inside. Yeah, I was like this little translator. Yeah. Um, well, this is why the bank is doing what they're doing and here's yeah. how you should approach it. And here's some options. But, and that was pretty depressing. You know, you're dealing with people who are losing a lot, mm-hmm. but then I'd still meet with people who were coming in. Hey, I want to open this business. I need a yeah. business plan. So there were these people who were still entrepreneurial. No, yes. You had both sides of it. And we have both sides of that right now as well. Mm-hmm. So For sure. So so as a CEO of a bank, what do you think are some of your biggest challenges with 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 that position? Um, it depends on the economy, certainly, and, and the state of the economy and the state of the employment base. Um but your employees are always going to be your biggest challenge, okay. not them individually as people, but how do you create an environment that mm. um, supports them, yes. that provides uh, professional development and career development, that helps with retention, that gives your customers, it gives them the desire to really provide care for your customers. I'd say that's my number one challenge is, mm-hmm. is how do we take care of our team? How do we stay in front of how 
um, organizational organizational culture is changing because mm-hmm. we're going to see huge changes. We're already mm-hmm. seeing changes out of COVID, but we're going to see huge changes on employee expectations, mm-hmm. how um, businesses look inside mm-hmm. the process with the customer. So that's staying on top of that, I think is always my biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. And then probably secondarily to that is how do you continue to support your customers? How do you continue to invest in technology, invest in products and services to deliver to them a customer experience that serves your mission, which is to support financial prosperity. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a challenge. I mean, we're in a technologically changing environment all the time and we're dealing with people's money Mm -hmm. and a lot of personal information that has to be protected. So it's a risk, risk management and, um, and product management. So I'd say that's probably my second biggest challenge. So have you owned any of your own businesses? I have my own business, which is a business coaching business. Oh, nice. But I focus primarily on helping business owners understand their financial statements. Mm -hmm. I found through banking and also through my volunteer work at the Small Business Development Center, that understanding financial statements is really uncomfortable for business owners. Mm -hmm. They outsource that to their bookkeeper, to their accountant. But that's really not, you can outsource the process, but you can't outsource the responsibility. Mm -hmm. You've got to know your financial state. And business owners should know what a profit and loss statement is and know what a balance sheet is and know how to read them Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of opportunities in looking at those all the time. And so successful business owners look at their financial statements. They know their numbers. They know their numbers. Mm -hmm. My friend at um, Red Lake Brewing Company, Todd Baldwin, says, the numbers don't lie, you only lie to yourself. And he's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Like you can just pretend that that stuff doesn't exist, but successful business owners are looking at that all the time. I uh, can uh, shamefully say that I I am kind of just pushing it off. (laughs) A lot of, I don't think you should feel bad about that. A lot of business owners, it, they're good at their business, Mm -hmm. you know? So if you're a plumber and you're really good at that trade, financials is probably not your specialty, Mm -hmm. but part of owning a business is taking accountability and responsibility Mm -hmm. for your financial state. Because if you don't know your finances, one, you're probably not reaching your full potential. Yes, You're not taking opportunities that possibly you could Mm -hmm. and grow and make more money. Um, And you could be missing money. I mean, at the bank, we see it all the time where businesses have been you know, embezzled from usually mm. by someone that they just can't believe that ever happened. Their brother-in-law or it's oh. always a family, not yeah. always a family member, but I'd say 90% of mm. the time it's a family member or a very close friend or long time employee. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they've never looked at a bank statement. They've had that person take care of everything. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars are missing. And what do you uh, do about that? Can you do anything about that? Well, the bank can't really do much about that. Yeah, um, not you specifically. But. Yeah, but a, a business owner can do a lot. They mm-hmm. can prevent that by, one, looking at their bank yeah. statements, for sure. That's preventative. I'm, I'm talking about, like, is there any action you could take? I guess you could probably go to court, with it, but then that's a big head. Oh, after the fact, yeah. yes. They usually go to court, mm-hmm. and by that time, the money is long gone. So yes. what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, maybe you can get some satisfaction out of a criminal conviction or something, but the money is usually gone for by sure. that time. So. 
So it's really best to mm-hmm. be on the front end of that and not allow it to happen by putting processes in place where you're looking at your mm-hmm. bank statements, you're looking at your bank account, you're looking at your financials. Should you be doing that every day? It depends on the business. Mm-hmm. I'd say at least once a week, okay. business owners should, and absolutely once a month. Okay. At the end of the month, they should be looking at their P&L and balance sheet and looking at the trends of their revenues, looking at mm-hmm. the trends of their net profit, looking at their expenses. Are they where they thought they should be? Mm-hmm. And once you learn what a P&L and a balance sheet is and what you're looking at, you only have to learn that once because okay. it's used across the industry. Yes. And um, in, in any business, you're going to have a P&L and balance sheet. Okay. So do you want to give us a brief overview of that? The P&L, I'm sure that could probably be a long conversation in itself. <laughs> I mean, I could give a really brief overview. Yeah. Um, a, a profit and loss statement is a statement that's showing your revenues mm-hmm. and your cost of goods sold, if your business has that, um, and then your operating expenses. Mm-hmm. So your rent, your utilities, your payroll expenses, that kind of stuff. And at the bottom is your profit or your loss okay. for whatever reporting period. So it's a profit or a loss, not profit and a loss. <laughs> it's called a profit and loss statement, but it's a profit or loss. Yes, that's <laughs> yeah, a good nice. point. Yeah, I mean, you're you might see a loss on that bottom yeah. line. You hopefully you're seeing a profit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends on the reporting period. Is it for a month? Is it for a whole year? Um, you know, you can print those out of your QuickBooks very easily. Mm-hmm. You can do that in about a minute. Yes. Um, so if you're taking care, if you have a bookkeeper that's inputting all of your stuff in QuickBooks, you can look at those all the time. Mm-hmm. And then your balance sheet is what your company owns and what your company owes. And the difference between those two, obviously, mm. is the equity that's in your company. And that's just a very simplified version of what a balance sheet is. But your cash, your cash position, any re- accounts receivable, your inventory, your um, buildings and improvements that you've made to buildings that you lease. Those are all assets. Mm-hmm. And then liabilities are payroll liabilities and credit cards and loans and mortgages that your business might have. Mm-hmm. So the two together, you use those two together and banks are going to ask you for those. Yes. <laughs> if you have a loan or if you're <laughs> asking for a loan, they're going to ask you for a profit and loss in the balance mm-hmm. sheet. So I don't care if you're just a one-person business, you should have a P&L balance sheet. Mm-hmm. It's just a fundamental of business. It's uncomfortable at first, but that's where the growth is when yes. you step into that discomfort and successful business owners know how to look at their P&L balance mm-hmm. sheet. They don't shy away from it. Well, I got to got to start focusing on that. Okay, I'll help you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> what about uh, taxes? Do you think someone should do their own taxes? Um, I think it depends on the business. I think that a small uh, solopreneur can probably do their own taxes if they are doing their own QuickBooks. Mm. If they're in, if they're keeping track of their stuff in QuickBooks, I think that they can probably do their own taxes. But anything that's where you have an employee or um, a lot of assets for the business, mm-hmm. I think you you really should be using an accountant mm-hmm. because they know all of the benefits that you can Mm -hmm. have. And you might, I mean, I'm not an accountant. I don't know all of the benefits that I get Mm -hmm. as a business owner. And that's what an accountant is trained to do. So you might be paying too much in taxes Mm -hmm. if you're not using an accountant who can help you with depreciation expense and, and, um, and any benefits that you get for accelerating that, for example, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was, I've been doing like my own taxes, like not for my business, 
but also for my business. But before my, like before my business, I was always using TurboTax. Yeah. And uh, in 2015, I didn't realize I was on one side of the line of a city because uh, I'm I, from Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I didn't, there's independence in Kansas City. And like the street that I lived on was like in Kansas City and the street over was uh, independence. And I didn't even consider it. But I was supposed to be paying taxes to Kansas City, and I thought I was an oh. independence. So, so they didn't hit me up until last year. I think it's because I started a business, mm-hmm. and and like you know, I triggered something in the system. They didn't hit me up until last year, and I didn't even know that I didn't have that. But it was like only like five hundred, but it went up to like fifteen hundred. They, they they waited five years to tell me oh, all the penalties and interest <laughs> yes. and everything. Yeah, see, that's the benefit of having an accountant is mm-hmm. they kind of protect you from that kind of stuff. But I mean, if, if you're an individual and you're filing your own personal taxes and all you get is a W-2, mm-hmm. then I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't do your own taxes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> some people just are not numbers people. Yeah, and yeah. if that's the case, then you should have some H&R Block do it or, mm-hmm. or whoever. I think it depends on where your skill set lies. For sure. I mean, yeah, doing it through TurboTax has, it still takes about 40 minutes, you know, to go through everything. It's still, t- it's still a process and you're hitting the buttons, but yeah. it's like... I, they I walk you through it, it. yeah. yeah. They <laughs> and they also give you, like, hints and uh, ideas, like, make sure you check this. Uh, did you do this? You can get more money back if you do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's pretty cool. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, was there anything that you specifically wanted to promote on this episode? Um, I mean, I just always like to uh, let people know that the bank does help startups. You know, Pikes Peak National Bank does help, help startups. And it's hard for startups, as we talked about at the beginning of the episode, it's hard for startups to get bank loans. Mm -hmm. And really, when you're looking at different options of funding for a business, bank loans are the least expensive. They're just the rates are better. Yes. Um, There are a lot of options and some options that are more expensive are the best option, depending Mm -hmm. on the situation. And sometimes there's uh, investors and Mm -hmm. those those guys usually want a stake. They the want company. ownership. <laughs> yeah. you know, they're putting capital in and in return, yes. you're giving them ownership of your company. And the bank's not taking ownership. They mm-hmm. just want you to repay the principal at, with interest. And so it's hard for startups sometimes to get bank loans, but it is the preferred the preferred way. Mm-hmm. And so there are, there are ways that startups can get bank loans. One, with a small business administration guarantee. Two, we can mm-hmm. use um, products like the Colorado Housing and Finance Authority, CHAFA, has small business programs like the cash collateral program, where if you don't have enough of a down payment, they put cash in the bank and we hold it as collateral for your loan. We use that. The bank uses that all the time for um, some of the startup lending that we do. And so our customers are getting to start their business. They're using a bank. So the rates are good. And we've partnered with a government agency to provide just a little bit more support so the bank feels better about the risk that they're taking. Nice. So we do do that. Uh, a lot of our startups are um, done for veterans. Mm-hmm. It, it's not that we're focusing on that. It just tends, given that we're in Colorado Springs. Yeah, there's a lot of veterans out here. <laughs> there's a lot of veterans. And um, and so we, we tend to do startups for uh, veterans who are startup loans for veterans who are starting businesses. And I love seeing that just because I'm a veteran. So Mm -hmm. no, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that they, they deserve it. Of course they do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Well, uh, I think we can start wrapping up this episode. Great. Uh, This has been the Colorado Springs business podcast. And 
We'll see you guys in the next episode.